investment in anything illegitimate. Don Corleone. The Corleone family. Partners with the Pope. They may cry blasphemy. This is business. I know you're into banks on Wall Street, but everyone knows you're the final word. You're like the Supreme Court. All I want to do is protect you from these guys, and your lawyers can't do that. I said we make them dead. You give me the order, I'll take care of it. I command this family, right or wrong. You know, Michael, now that you're so respectable, I think you're more dangerous than you ever were. Welcome to Movie Heads. I'm your host, George, and that intro was from The Godfather Part 3, the movie we will be covering today. It was made in 1990, and it runs at 2 hours and 42 minutes, and it's rated R. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written by Mario Puzo, produced by Francis Ford Coppola mostly, and the cinematography, again, by Gordon Willis. The music was by Coppola's father, Carmine Coppola. As far as the cast, pretty much the same, uh, with a couple of extras added on. We got Al Pacino, Diane Keaton. Talia Shire, Andy Garcia, Ellie Wallach, Joe Mantegna, and George Hamilton. So in the final installment of the Godfather trilogy, we now have an aging Don Michael Corleone who's seeking to legitimize his family's interests now uh, and pretty much remove himself from all the violence that they used to deal with in the underworld. So... Every time he tries, though, he's kept back by everybody around him, and he just basically wants to attempt to link the Corleone's finances with the Vatican this time. And uh, he still has to keep dealing with all these younger, hungrier gangsters that all they're trying to do is upset the existing mafia that's going on now. And then he has to still also deal with a younger protege's love affair with his daughter. Of course, we are talking about Andy Garcia's character, which is Vincent Mancini. Just trouble. I take care of it. It's foolish of you. Foolish of me? Things a little foolish in this guy, don't you think? Right? Right! Can't like this father. Right. 
So now I'd like to go over some movie facts and some behind-the-scenes stuff with you. And starting with Al Pacino, he actually stated that he didn't agree with the portrayal of Michael Corleone in the film. He didn't believe that Michael would ever feel regret or remorse for the actions that he caused, uh, especially the murder of his brother. But one thing Al Pacino was certain of is how much money he wanted for the movie to do the role. Uh, they had offered him $5 million, but he wanted seven, plus the percentage of the gross. Now... Francis Ford Coppola, he refused that. He told him basically and threatened to rewrite the whole script, starting off with Michael's funeral sequencing the beginning of the movie. And that would be the introduction. And so after that, Pacino thought about it, and right away he agreed to the $5 million offer instead. Go figure. Now, the movie deals with the Vatican Bank, and the movie was produced by Paramount Pictures. And coincidentally, the Vatican Bank did once own Paramount Pictures. Hmm. So for those of you who are wondering why Robert Duvall did not come out in this movie, and then why they put George Hamilton in his place, was because they offered him $1 million to do the role, and he turned it down. He felt there wasn't enough money for him to portray Tom Hagen. And he felt that it wasn't equal enough to that of his partners, Al Pacino and Diane Keaton. Remember, he was getting $5 million, she got $1.5 million. So what they did was they wrote Tom Hagen's character out of their script. And then later on, Duvall, Duvall did defend his position on the grounds that the only reason why anyone wanted to make another Godfather movie after so many years was to simply make money. And he's probably right. Originally. So check this out. Sofia Coppola, she had to redub about 20% of the original dialogue for the final cut of the film. Uh, after a disastrous early screening for the New York press on December 12th, and that was right in 1990. Uh, apparently there were many critics that singled out her performance. And according to an interview on Entertainment Weekly that they had the following month, uh, she said that her greatest vocal challenge was trying to get rid of her Valley Girl accent. And to correctly pronounce the name Corleone. Huh, that's supposed to be your last name in the movie. You can't pronounce it? Francis Ford Coppola once admitted that he was still unhappy with the final result of the movie because of the lack of time and work on the script. Now, according to him, he wanted $6 million for the writer, producer, and the director. And they give him six months to work on the script. Now, the studio, of course, only gave him $1 million and only six weeks to work on the script because they wanted to make a 1990 Christmas deadline. Coppola regretted that the character of Tom Hagen had to be written out of the script because the studio was too damn cheap to pay Robert Duvall what he was asking for. And also, according to Coppola, with Hagen gone, an essential character and counterpart for Michael Corleone was missing from the movie. Well, he's going on behind your back saying, fuck Michael Corleone all the time. That's it. That's one thing it has to do with you, right? Say it to his face one time. Say it to his face one time. Mr. Corleone, all bastards are liars. Shakespeare wrote poems. What am I going to do with this guy? What am I going to do with this guy? Joey, 
if there's some guy running around this city saying fuck Michael Coley, what do we do with a piece of shit like that? He's a fucking dog. So Catherine Scorsese, Martin Scorsese's mom, is one of the women who stops Vincent to complain about how bad it is in the neighborhood under Joey Zaza. Now, that could be a coincidence uh, or not, because Martin Scorsese is best friends with Francis Ford Coppola. Well, there you go. Now, the first of only two trilogies to have all three films nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture uh, were all the Godfathers. Now, the only other movie was Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now, Vincent's mom, Lucy Mancini, remember her? She was the uh, bridesmaid with whom uh, Sonny had an affair with in The First Godfather in 1972. So she came out in number three and, of course, playing Vincent Mancini's mom. Now, also, another fact that was very interesting was there was an actress by the name of Rebecca Schaefer. Now, she was in the running to play Mary Corleone. Unfortunately, she was tragically murdered on the morning of her audition. Now, this came out in the news. I remember I heard about it. And then also, Renona Ryder was the, also later on put to cast in the part. But before that happened, she was ultimately replaced by Sofia Coppola because she couldn't come into the role. Now, Sofia Coppola's character, Mary Corleone, now her aunt is played by Sofia's real-life aunt, Talia Shire. Now, another interesting fact, now, Sofia Coppola, of course, the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, remember, she was put into that role after Renona Ryder pulled out. Now, apparently what happened, just to clarify that, she withdrew because she had to appear in Edward Scissorhands, which also came out in 1990. So what do you think? Should she have stayed with Godfather 3? Or is it a good thing that she did Edward Scissorhands? Man, how things can steer up. So Al Pacino and Diane Keaton had dated on and off for several years after the making of the first Godfather film. And ultimately breaking up for good when Keaton wanted a serious long-term relationship. And of course Al Pacino did not. Now, this led to some friction, of course, when they first arrived on the set. But, you know, like their characters in the movie, they were able to get past the issues. And uh, in real life, however, though, it did involve Keaton traveling back to New York with Pacino for the funeral of his grandmother, who had died, unfortunately, during production. Here's a mafia lesson for you. So apparently at the reception, you know, after the opening ceremony, remember the part where Vincent bites Zaza's ear after he calls him Bastardo? Now, in the opera house, remember when Anthony was performing? There was a scene also in the opera where he bites this other guy's ear off too. Now, in Sicilian custom, this means by the biting of the ear and drawing blood, it stands for fighting to the death. Well, now you know. Don't bite anybody's ear off. So based on the last fact about the biting of the ear, so does that mean that Mike Tyson is Sicilian or that he wanted to kill Evander Holyfield? 
So anyways, Francis Ford Coppola, he only had a year to write, direct, and edit Godfather 3. Can you imagine? To do all that in one year? Yeah. You got to be a ringmaster for that. Now, Andy Garcia, when he filmed his fight scene, he insisted on beating the stuntman with a real pistol instead of the prop pistol. Of course, that resulted in the stuntman suffering a cut and he required stitches. You know, there was a lot of coincidences in this movie, okay? Now, this is one takes the cake so far, okay? Now, because of the popularity of the earlier two Godfather movies... Now, remember on one of the previous episodes, I told you about Frank Sinatra getting pissed off at Mario Puzo because he felt it was about him when he told him it wasn't? Anyways, suddenly, now that after the two Godfather films were made... Sinatra now is an anti-Godfather and he's taking a stand and now he's expressing interest that he wants to play Don Atabello. Now, to kind of give you a quick little explanation about who Don Atabello is, in Godfather 2, when Robert De Niro finally kills the guy who killed his mother and his brother when he took revenge, remember the part when the old man was like, Oh, hijo de puntana! That part. Anyways. Now, when they ran off, one guy that was over there partnering, partnering with Robert De Niro gets shot with a shotgun. And now he's crippled. So now that's Don Bell. Now he portrays an old man in Godfather 3. Now that's the role that Frank Sinatra wanted to do. So, now the thing is, Frank Sinatra lost interest because of the size of the paycheck they were offering for the role. So instead it went to Ellie Wallach. Now, Ellie Wallach was famous for coming out in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly with Clint Eastwood. Now, here's the funny part. Now, Sinatra, instead, he got his role in a movie called From Here to Eternity that was made in 1953. Now, Wallach, at that time, he had backed out of that role because of the low pay for that movie. What a coincidence, huh? <laughs> they literally switched over from him doing that one from him doing this one. Oh, boy. So Francis Ford Coppola was interested in making Michael Corleone pay for his sins in this third chapter. And uh, apparently Madonna, another celebrity that came out of the woodworks, was trying for the role of Mary Corleone. He even met with Francis Ford Coppola and Robert De Niro. Now, it was decided then that she was just too old for the role. And instead they offered her another role that paid very little money and was a very small part. So of course she didn't take it. She turned it down. And... As far as the movie itself, on the third one, meeting up the standards for one and two, now, it was the only film in the trilogy not to win an Academy Award for Best Picture. It also was not selected for preservation by the National Film Registry. Now, hopefully that'll change after the new re-edit that Francis Ford Coppola is going to do on the film coming out this Christmas in theaters. Let's see. You know, what's funny is that I remember when the movie first came out on VHS, when it was released, they came out in 1981, and I remember the tapes were gold-colored. I thought that was interesting, because uh, they really stood out, they were kind of classy, they had like a vintage look to them and everything. I think I have mine somewhere. I should preserve it. Anyways, so there's a very, very interesting factor about Winona Ryder that, I don't know if you knew this or not, but... 
There's speculation about why she did do the film and then didn't do the film or why she backed out. Now, this is supposedly what happened. Now, Renona Ryder departure of the film, it did create a fuss on the set as well as the media. Now, Ryder did actually arrive on the set to perform the part with of Mary Corleone. Now, ultimately, she did back out. When she arrived on the set in Rome, it was two days after completing work on Mermaids with Cher. And I'm sure you guys have seen that one. That was in 1990. Now, in Massachusetts, and uh, what happened was she had passed out immediately in her, her hotel room upon arriving. And she was eventually diagnosed with exhaustion. She wasn't getting any rest. Now, following her departure of the film, there were several headlines at that time. And they were created about uh, how she exited the movie. Either claiming that she was pregnant or that she had some nervous breakdown or that she was on drugs or that her then boyfriend Johnny Depp was having an affair and making her crazy or that he was talking her out of the movie so that she could be in his movie, Edward Scissorhands, in 1990, which coincidentally she did come out in. So there's all kinds of talk. Now, on the set, Ryder's replacement of the untested Sophia uh, reportedly threatened to quit the movie were other actors on the set as well now meanwhile writer still this was recovering she was also threatened with lawsuits from several parties including paramount pictures however she did meet with a lot of support and empathy from the cast themselves including diane keaton and al pacino they continually checked up on her many times throughout those weeks so that was nice of them So, for her widely criticized performance in the film, Sofia Coppola not only won two Razzie Awards for Worst Supporting Actress and Worst New Star, but also set a new record for the percentage of votes received by any actor or actress up to that point in Golden Raspberry Awards history. Now, that's in a field of five contenders. She took over 65% of the Razzie members' votes in both categories. Man, if that doesn't kill your spirit, I don't know what will. Now, it's no surprise to me that after that, she never acted again. But she did turn out to be quite a good filmmaker. You know, before the Godfather 3 movie was even made, uh, Paramount Pictures uh, had considered other directors, uh, like Sidney Lumet, who made Once Upon a Time in America. They also considered Michael Camino, who directed Deer Hunter, and even Michael Mann, who directed Heat. Now, at one point, they were even close to almost signing Sylvester Stallone to direct and star in the film. Now, talk about getting desperate here. You know, a lot of the fans of the movie were upset, including me, that the song Bruja La Terra, which Anthony sang to Michael early in the film, was not in the soundtrack. That song is beautiful. So beautiful that I'm going to play it for you right now. Now, 
mano na giorna non c'è mai soli si da non torna brucia la terra mia e a brucia lume cori chi si dà quaita e io si ti dà muri a quella canto la me canzoni non c'è nudo casa faccia all'ubarconi brucia la luna cielo e io brucio d'amore You know, I know I've tapped on this quite a bit about Sofia Coppola's role in Godfather 3, but what you got to understand is that that became a major problem when that movie came out. I mean, it was like the biggest talk about that movie was her and how bad she was at her acting. I felt bad for her, you know, because she was new at it. She, she wasn't made for acting. She had no intentions of doing this role. You know, at the time she was attending college. And she only had limited experiences. So nonetheless, of course, when Francis for Coppola is asking her to do this, of course, she's going to bow to her father's request because production was already falling behind. They were already behind on budget and everything. So there was really literally no choice. So the twin girls with long, dark hair that you see at Michael's party, and um, you've probably seen them in Godfather 1 and 2. They're twins. Well, those are Sonny's daughters. And their names are Catherine and Francesca. Now, as far as the part of Anthony, Michael, and Kay's opera singing son. Now, they went to Frank Ambrosio. Now, this is after a worldwide search of over 200 actors and tenors. Okay. Now, that must have been a hard search because you can't just find somebody who acts and kind of looks a little bit like Michael in some way. But you got to make sure you can sing some damn opera, too. For those music lovers out there of classical music and music that sounds just so romantic and touching and moving, well... The music that did play during the closing scene and the credits, that's by Pietro Masgani, and that's Intermezzo Sinfonico. That's from the Cavalleria Rusticana. Now, it's also known for the appearance in Raging Bull at the beginning of the movie when Robert De Niro's in training, you know, and also when he has a flashback in the middle of that movie. So Michael tells Vincent at one point of the movie, Never let anyone know what you're thinking. His father, Vito, told Vincent's father, Sonny, the same thing in the first Godfather. Now, this film takes place from 79 to 97. And during filming, Sofia Coppola, she was acutely aware of the pattern that she was going to be getting in the press for being the director's daughter in the choice part, especially a part that she did not do well in. So other actors that were also competing for the role of Vincent Mancini, according to Francis Ford Coppola, some of those included Alec Baldwin, Nicolas Cage, Tom Cruise, Matt Dillon, Val Kilmer, Charlie Sheen, and Billy Zane. Well, these are some actors that I couldn't even imagine as Vinny <laughs> at all. 
really, I mean, number one, don't you have to be Italian? Okay, how does Tom Cruise qualify for that? Doesn't look like it. Val Kilmer? No. Billy Zane? No. Alec Baldwin? Hey, maybe. Remember, he did come out as an Italian in The Juror. He did play a hitman. Bada boom. So it seems Joey Zaza, who uh, takes over the Corleone family in the New York operation, was actually modeled after the Gambino crime boss, John Gotti, in real life. Also, uh, Bridget Fonda, she auditioned for the role also as Mary Corleone. Man, a lot of actresses tried out for Mary Corleone, I noticed. But in her case, she got cast as Grace Hamilton, the reporter, instead. And it was a, a small role, not that big. Now, there's other base facts, and uh, you know when actors complain because they said, I should have taken that role because it turned out to be a huge blockbuster, I'm kicking my ass because of it. Well, Julia Roberts had turned down the role also of Mary Corleone, big surprise. But in her case, when she turned it down, she went and starred in Pretty Woman, which did become a big hit. So in this case, it did work out for her because who knows if she would have gotten that kind of notoriety on The Godfather 3. So you know how instead of uh, Tom Hagen, we ended up getting uh, George Hamilton's character for the lawyer? Uh, well, apparently they tried to dye his hair, and it came out to be extremely problematic. It even came out orange at one point, so they had to, like, re-dye it all over again. Man, how much trouble can one guy's hair cause? So as far as Joey Zaza, the name came up for him is because Francis Ford Coppola, his maternal grandmother... That's her maiden name, Zaza. Franz Ford Coppola always stated that the movie felt incomplete without Robert Duvall's character, Tom Hagen, in it. And I agree. He is a major role. So Mickey Rourke, believe it or not, was also a candidate for Joey Zaza. But the studios deemed him as not Italian enough. And then also, of course, Wes Stallone was offered the role, again, for this one, but he passed on it too, thank God. So this movie itself was actually escorted by a handcuffed FBI agent to each movie theater that was running The Prince uh, as it was shown. Uh, that fear of the theft deck of the completed film was quite justified since before with 1 and 2. There was a black market for the films that were showing it at the time for a, to a paying customer. So there was illegal copies that were made out there. So how you like that? Pirating even took place way back then. So it looks like Mr. 90210 himself, Luke Perry, also auditioned for the role of Vincent Mancini. Man, did anybody not try for this role? Now, The Godfather 3 was considered the shortest movie out of the trilogies, uh, that with Godfather 1 being at 2 hours and 55 minutes. Godfather 2, the longest of the three, was at 3 hours and 22 minutes. And then Godfather 3 at 2 hours and 42 minutes. 
Now, going back to the casting, Madeline Stowe, you guys know her from Unlawful Entry with Kurt Russell and Ray Liotta. She was one of the many actresses that Paramount Pictures had proposed for Mary Corleone. Yeah, especially after this incident with the Winona Ryder. Now, Francis Coppola, however, he wanted to cast someone that was still in her teens. So now he's getting picky. So I think Madeline Stowe would have been great. I would have liked to have seen how she did. Going into uh, different ethnicities and all that as far as what actors are playing who and if they're Italian, not Italian, are they Irish, are they Sicilian, are they Scottish? Man, there's all kinds of races. But anyways, so Andy Garcia, a lot of people felt that he looked too Cuban to play Vincent, who was supposed to be Italian. I personally think he did great. I really do. Now, Francis Coppola... There is an actor by the name of Gaston Motion. Okay, now you guys remember him. This was Don Fanucci from Godfather 2. Remember he got shot in the face and got killed by Robert De Niro. Well, Francis wanted to use him in this movie. Now, I am so glad that he was not available. Why do directors insist on using a, an actor that got killed in one of the earlier movies in another movie that's a sequel as another character? I, I just think that's... What, you can't... You don't have enough actors? Don't do that. Anyways, I'm glad that didn't happen. Hey, Joey Zaza! Joey, up your ass! Hey! Who is this? Is that what you thought? So for all you filmmakers out there, Godfather 3 was the uh, first chapter to be shot in the super 35mm format and then blown up to 70mm for the theaters. Now, same thing goes for Godfather 1. They blew it up to 70mm, but that was regular 35mm. Godfather 2, for some reason, was not blown up to 70mm, but it was shot in 35mm. Now, that's for all you film students out there. So it looks like Godfather 3 was the only film in the series to not have multiple acting nominations at the Academy Awards, as well as not to have any winning awards in the acting categories. Now, something disturbing that I found out about the movie, it appears that in the scene where that make-believe priest is almost trying to assassinate Michael Corleone with a rifle, apparently that rifle is an M38 Carcano carbine. Now, that rifle... Okay, is the same rifle that was used in the assassination of President Kennedy. Is that disturbing or what? Now, to change the pace on a funnier side, I don't know if you noticed, but the license plate on the Cadillac of Joey Zaza, one they're, the one that they're auctioning away, on the license plate it says Mayuchi. <laughs> That's funny because through the whole movie, well, the first part anyway, where he's alive, all he does is talk about Mayuchi, the first Italian-American to invent the telephone even before Mom Bell. So for all you filmmakers out there, this film is one of Walter Murch's four Academy Award nominations for editing to be edited in different editing formats. 
Basically, in this instance, for Godfather 3, he used something called the KEM flatbed machine, which is, which is a bunch of rollers that moves the film around in transition and comparable to each other in parallels. It's a lot easier way to edit film. Now, in Godfather 1 and 2, he used a standard film editor. So there is a difference. I mean, now it's all non-linear. It's all off a hard drive, which is fantastic. Anyways, so basically after the argument between Michael Corleone and the members of the Vatican... Remember when he leaves the building and he says, we're back to the Borges. Now, Mario Puzo, author of The Godfather, he later wrote a book about the Borges, which is a family. That was kind of like the Corleones, but a little bit more twisted. So in the scene where Michael Corleone at the end is letting out a, an, a scream of pain from his daughter getting killed apparently they wanted to originally cut it out due to the agonizing sound that he let out but i'm glad they didn't man because that is the most powerful ending scene i've ever seen it brings me to tears every single time um in fact i love that scene so much i'm going to play it right now I have to say this. Uh, that was a great scene. Don't get me wrong, but I'm listening to that scene and I can't help to think that he fell off a cliff at the end with that yell. Oh my God. Anyway, sorry about that. I just, I had to share that. But actually when you see it though, of course it's, it's not like that. It, you, you, you feel, you feel the intensity, you feel the anguish, you feel the pain. It's different when you see it. Okay. If ever there was a fruit to represent the mafia, it's an orange. Now, the presence of oranges is in all three movies, Godfather 1, 2, and 3. It would indicate that there's a death or an assassination attempt to happen soon. Now, Don Vito, he does place a sliced orange peel over his teeth to frighten his young grandson and then dies in Godfather 1. And then Michael, he sucks on an orange while he's planning Hyman Roth's assassination in Godfather 2. And then Donald DeBello, he tosses a kid in orange just before ordering Michael's assassination in Godfather 3. And also in Godfather 3, don't forget, the orange that rolls over the table just before the helicopter attacked. You know, the part where Michael Corleone is looking up at the chandelier. I love that scene, by the way. And then there's also Michael and DeBello. They're both seen drinking orange juice in the movie. And of course, the last part where Michael Corleone dies with an orange in his hand. So supposedly there was a, a couple of different versions of Michael's death 
that have been around and the script basically was centering around Tom and Michael on one of them and Tom was actually going to be an informant now unfortunately when Robert Duvall got the script he realized that his character was a second lead and the studio was offering the same amount of money as received for the last film which technically he should have gotten more for this one but he did counter offer through Francis for Coppola to talk to Paramount Pictures but Paramount denied the offer because he wanted more money and he went ahead and they told Coppola just to rewrite the script without Tom now that version was the only one that actually had Michael dying in a car accident at the end of the film So originally, Callow, who worked for Don Corleone, Michael, uh, was to kill Don Lucchesi by snapping his neck, and that part was filmed. However, Francois Coppola, he didn't like how it looked. Uh, he decided to change it because he wanted it to, to look like a bloody death. So the bloody death was inspired by a director by the name of Akira Kurosawa. Now, his films were known for that. Now, the blood had to spurt from Lucchesi's neck originally, and when they filmed it, Unfortunately, it earned the film an NC-17 rating from the MPAA. Now, this cannot happen because all that does is it diminishes your audience. So, a few seconds were deleted in order to garner the R rating through the MPAA. So, he had to delete some of that scene. Now, although it was unused in the film, you could see a clip of the snapping of Lucchesi's neck in the trailer that they made. So there's some disappointing news. Apparently, Michael Corleone's funeral was written and rehearsed, but it was never shot on film. That's too bad. I would have liked to have seen that. Now, in essence to that, Francis Ford Coppola, he did also lobby intensely for the film to be called The Death of Michael Corleone instead of Godfather Part 3. But in the end, it was overruled by the studio. However, on the DVD release of the film, there is a chapter that's called The Death of Michael Corleone. But don't worry. That'll all change soon, as you will hear in the bonus edition of Godfather 3 Talk, coming soon. And remember, that'll be coming out in theaters this Christmas. So as far as what could have been on the different versions of Michael's death, from the original script with Tom Hagen for this film, which was written by Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola, was very different from the final version that we saw in film. Now, in the original script, there was no Joey Zaza, there was no B.J. Harrison, and in the ending of this original script, it was Mosca who shoots Michael to his death. And then Michael dies in Tom's arms, and then he weeps over him. So, in the original script, Mary does not die. She's actually alive, and she's attending Michael's funeral. I would have liked to have seen that ending. I think that would have been good. You know, in Godfather 3, the movie provides a fictional explanation for several events that surrounded real-life scandals of the Vatican Bank. Uh, for instance, from 78 to 82, most notably, the film does depict the alleged murder of Pope John Paul I, who was found dead sitting up in his bed, and that was on September 29th of 1978. Now, that was only 32 days after assuming the papacy. Now, journalist David Yallop, apparently this is the guy that wrote the story. He has speculated that John Paul I, he had died after drinking poison tea, which was depicted this way in the film. And he was a victim of a conspiracy by the archbishops and the cardinals who were fearful of the new pope's planned reforms for the Vatican Bank. Also, like in the movie. 
So there is a fan theory out there that speculates that in the scene where Mary's murder, that Michael went blind due to his extreme emotional grief and rage, uh, which was basically, as far as medically goes, it was aggravated by his diabetic condition and the blindness also being a possible effect of the diabetes in some cases. But the final scene with his death, it has him wearing dark glasses and he's keeping a cane nearby. Now, both visual indications that a character is blind are there. But however, it, this isn't actually confirmed or denied by either Al Pacino or Francis Ford Coppola. So we'll never know. So to all you Godfather fans and dedicated listeners to my podcast, I have a little contest here for you. In every movie of The Godfather 1, 2, and 3, a Corleone brother dies. The first person that emails me or texts me with the correct answer as to which brother in each movie dies, you win. Now you can go ahead and text me or you can email me, whichever one you want. The texting, you could do it through my podcast or you can email me at godfather42 at gmail.com. Now, the way it's spelled out, it's not with a D on the Godfather. It's a T. So it's G-O-T and then father42 at gmail.com. Send me the correct answer and win that prize. So here's something that I had to check out when I found out about it. Uh, there's a scene where Vincent shoots these two assailants that enter his apartment. And then if you look over his left shoulder, there's a sepia-colored photograph of his father, Sonny Corleone. And yeah, I checked it out on DVD, and sure enough, there it is. I never saw it before. What a trip. Check it out. So sometime after Godfather 3, uh, Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola started writing for Godfather 4. But unfortunately, Puzo died. And it never happens. But another author by the name of Mark Weingartner, he stepped in and actually wrote a separate version called The Godfather Returns. Now that version, the studio actually seemed interested in turning that into Godfather 4. So let's see what happens. Well, folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of Godfather 3 Talk. Keep an eye open for my bonus edition where I talk about Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone, where I talk about the re-edited version from Francis Ford Coppola himself, and he's giving the directorial version of the ending that he wanted originally. So keep an eye open for that. I'm your host, George, and this is Movie Heads. Take care and be well.